So is your gut telling you they're not a good match for you? Or are you subconsciously sabotaging a new connection because you're scared of what happens if it actually turns into a relationship? Is it your gut that's telling you they're probably going to cheat on you? Or are you just projecting past experiences onto future relationships? Sometimes it's hard to know if we're making a true gut decision or we're subconsciously sabotaging ourselves to protect ourselves from being hurt again. Listen to learn the difference. Welcome back to Dating Intentionally. I'm Talia. I'm a dating coach, and I'm sharing no-nonsense advice for navigating modern dating with confidence and ease, whether you've been on dozens of dates or you're just getting started. I believe dating can be fun, especially when we're led by our intuition instead of being pushed by our fears. I am so excited to get into today's episode, but first, I wanted to share some exciting news. Johnny and I just got engaged. He did an amazing job on the ring and the proposal, and I proposed back to him with a ring, too. We'll be sharing the full story on the podcast in about two weeks, so stay tuned for that. If you're new, the quick version of our story is that we met on Hinge in the summer of 2022 while I was living in Seattle and dating intentionally, but also dating very aggressively. We actually became official right before I started this podcast. Johnny was the 56th person I met in my 10-month dating journey, and I will tell you right now, I had no idea when I saw his Hinge profile or on our first date that he would be asking me to marry him a year and a half later. When I saw his profile, I thought he looked normal and he said he was into books, movies, and music. And for a very interesting person, he had a pretty boring profile. And honestly, I think that's a huge green flag. Anyway, we're aiming to get married later this year, and I will be sharing some wedding planning updates on the podcast as we go for anyone interested in that. If not, cool. I promise that this chapter of my life is not going to become my entire personality, and this is still a dating podcast. Okay, let's get into it. Today, I am getting into self-sabotage, why we do it, what it looks like, and how to start trusting your intuition instead. Self-sabotaging a relationship means you're consciously or subconsciously doing something that will get in the way of developing a connection or relationship or to keep an existing relationship from growing or getting deeper. Do you think you've ever self-sabotaged a relationship? Keep listening for specific examples and ways we do this. Some will probably surprise you. So why do we self-sabotage? Well, the most common reasons are fear of abandonment, fear of intimacy, or a subconscious assumption that your relationship won't work out due to trauma or past childhood experiences. A lot of this is happening under the radar, by the way. On the surface, you might want a relationship and be working towards having one with someone by dating, listening to podcasts like this, working on yourself in various ways. But unless you're really working on healing your core belief system, you might continue to self-sabotage. Your core belief system affects so much. And let me tell you, I've been working with my therapist for six years, and there are still things I'm uncovering and learning about my core belief system. I'm talking about the kinds of discoveries that hit you like a ton of bricks. This journey never ends. So I encourage you to have self-compassion if you find approaching this type of work intimidating or daunting. I think it is. But it's worth it. The truth is, we all have core beliefs to rewire and things to unlearn when it comes to relationships. Trusting your gut or following your intuition, which I'll get more into later, is very different than self-sabotaging. But sometimes when we make decisions in dating, it's hard to tell if we're making a decision based on our intuition or if we're just repeating old patterns that keep us out of relationships. I hope this episode helps you get clarity on the difference between repeating these old patterns that keep us stuck and making decisions based on a gut feeling. 
There are so many aspects of the dating process we can't control, but this, you know, the choices we make is one of the few things we can control. So when you become aware of the ways you might be getting in your own way, you'll be able to make different decisions. Before we dive in to this list of eight ways we self-sabotage, I want to share a resource that will take your dating to the next level. I made a template for you for tracking dates and put together a collection of post-date questions that will help you reflect on the time you spend getting to know new matches. These two free resources will take you from feeling confused to feeling crystal clear on who to keep seeing and who to move on from. You can grab it in my bio link on Instagram at dating.intentionally. It's the link that says date tracker. Let's talk about the eight ways we self-sabotage. I wonder if when you listen to this, you'll hear anything you relate to. I think it's important to note that basically all of these forms of self-sabotage are rooted in a lack of self-esteem and or a fear of failure. The main thing about self-sabotage is basically acting in ways that don't align with your desires and goals, but sometimes it's very sneaky and totally goes under our radar. The first one is staying stuck in patterns. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Staying stuck in old patterns is probably the most common way we unconsciously self-sabotage because it's really hard to know you're doing it if you're not even aware that you have these patterns. So what do these patterns look like? Well, it could be anything from chasing people who aren't interested in you or constantly going back to this one ex situationship you can't seem to let go of, or in my case, having sex too early on in the dating process and immediately losing interest every single time. Once you realize what's going on, it's easier to take different actions. But the first step is seeing those negative patterns that bring us to the same outcome over and over again. You might look at your dating life and think, I keep attracting the wrong person. You know, the person who's really into me, but not ready for a relationship. And you see yourself as the victim. But in reality, you are also perpetuating this pattern by letting things play out with people you know are unavailable, probably because they told you at some point, and there's a part of you that hopes they'll come around. If you're listening to this and you feel super called out right now, I'm sorry, but also not sorry because recognizing that this stuff exists within us is the first step of healing. Two, using coping mechanisms that kept us safe early on but are no longer needed. Growing up, we may have developed coping and survival mechanisms that we needed to feel safe in our family but are not needed now as adults. Two common examples of coping mechanisms that we could develop in childhood to survive growing up are people-pleasing or being hyper-independent. When it comes to people-pleasing and basically tossing your needs aside to prioritize the needs and emotions of others, it can cause us to allow red flag behavior even though we know we're not being treated well. Or in the case of being hyper-independent, it can look like pushing people away where when there's any perceived threat of losing that independence. And remember, this is subconscious. We do this without realizing because we're repeating behaviors that kept us safe growing up. It's like a default in a way. So to stop doing this again, it starts with awareness. Number three, being scared of commitment. This one will probably sound familiar to you, whether you've been the one who's scared to commit to someone who is ready, willing, and able to be in a relationship with you or the other way around. You know you are the commitment phobe if you constantly come up with excuses to date someone consistently. You miraculously get the ick the second things start, you know, to get rolling and into a new relationship, or you get bored and just repeatedly want to find something better. I'm not saying you're self-sabotaging if you don't feel attracted to an otherwise solid match or if you're not feeling excited about going on another date. Of course, there are going to be situations where you just don't like them as much as you need to to 
start a relationship with them. That's part of dating and that's not self-sabotage. But if you struggle to even see yourself committing to anyone, if you think you want to date, but you keep finding reasons to put it off, then maybe this is a form of self-sabotage for you. Commitment is scary. I get it. Especially in early dating, after you've either come out of a long relationship or you've been dating around for a while, or maybe it's your first time around. Either way, it's scary. But if we don't ever make that leap, we are self-sabotaging potentially life-changing relationships. Four, projecting past pain onto current or future partners. This is a super common form of self-sabotage, and I think it's easy to do this without really knowing. If you've ever described yourself as someone who has trust issues, which I get it, I had trust issues, this is probably how you're self-sabotaging. This looks like feeling sure that the person you're dating is cheating on you since you've been cheated on in the past, even though you have zero evidence and they've done everything in their power to show you they're faithful. Or maybe if you're like me, you're extremely sensitive to a lack of empathy and any small sign someone lacks empathy makes you want to run. Basically, if you're entering a relationship expecting or anticipating the same painful experience you've had in the past, it's going to push the other person away and end up sabotaging the relationship because you're not fully able to trust them or be fully emotionally available. This type of self-sabotage is basically overprotecting yourself to the point of pushing people away and not allowing anyone to get close to you or refusing to see that they're a different person. Another way this can kind of manifest is you keep attracting the kind of person who's going to cheat on you or repeat the same pain. It's like part of you is like look, looking out for it so much that you attract it. And you know, I get it. It's difficult to push aside past trauma or pain and let someone new into your life. We obviously don't want to repeat that situation and experience that pain again. After we've been hurt, it's hard to not expect that every time we get close to someone, the same thing will happen. We have to let new people be different. Know that projecting past pain onto whoever you're seeing is not trusting your gut. Just because someone hurt you in the past does not mean that this new person is going to hurt you the same way. All right, so we've gone over the first four. Those were staying stuck in old patterns, relying on old mechanisms for survival we no longer need, fear of commitment, and projecting past pain onto current or future partners. And again, if you're feeling like, wow, this is so me, I want you to know there's no shame in that. We all have shit to deal with. And uh, we've got four more forms of self-sabotage. So number five is acting out. This is going to look like picking fights, being passive aggressive, withdrawing, or giving them the silent treatment, punishing them by withholding attention or intimacy and stuff like that. Sometimes we don't realize we're picking a fight or being overly critical because we're uncomfortable with the situation we're in. It's not like they're actually causing us to be critical. It's like we're uncomfortable. We're overwhelmed. Unfortunately, if you've never been in a healthy relationship, sometimes you pick a fight just because that will feel more normal to you. This is very common because healthy relationships often feel more boring and kind of just steady than toxic relationships. So if this sounds like you, know that when you feel like you want to pick a fight or do something that will get their attention, try to reflect on your true motivation and what you're getting out of it. I'm not saying to question and second guess yourself, just to pause and reflect. I can see how this one can overlap with trusting your gut. Obviously, if someone crosses a boundary or if they do something that hurts you, speaking up is very important. But speaking up about that isn't the same thing as acting out. Acting out is done for attention, even if it's negative attention. And hopefully that difference makes sense. Number six, feeling you're unworthy. 
This is a big one. This type of self-sabotage happens when you feel you're not good enough to be with the person you're with or that you're not attractive enough, you're not healed enough, maybe you don't make enough money or anything where you feel like you're not on the same level as the person you're dating. Therefore, you're unworthy and can't date them. You might even feel guilty for being with them. This can also look like a lot of negative self-talk or really judging yourself or being super critical of yourself in the dating process. I see this form of self-sabotage a lot in the comment section of my Instagram posts. There are so many people out there who love to tell the story about why they're not dateable. It could be like, I'm too short, or I have too many trust issues from my past relationship, or I have ADHD, or I'm turning 40 next year, and on and on. I'm not saying these things aren't true, but the connection of I can't date because I'm fill in the blank is a story. That is a narrative because you can date. No one is stopping you. It might be scary for you and that is valid. It might mean putting yourself out there and it will probably mean getting rejected, but that's something that everyone has to go through. It's the belief that's holding you back. It's not the actual thing you're focused on, whether it's your height, weight, income, health, or whatever you believe is holding you back. One example I could think of that could have been self-sabotage for me but wasn't is that I believed I was not smart enough to date Johnny when we first met. Okay, Johnny is a doctor. He has a PhD in mechanical and aerospace engineering. He went to college for like 11 years working on his degrees and he works at NASA. So on our first date, he made a math joke that completely went over my head. Yes, I was absolutely a little insecure, you know, about my education in comparison. I have a BS in film production. I could have told this story that I couldn't date someone like him because I wasn't educated enough, but I didn't. He was very into me when we met and he didn't care that I graduated with like a 2.7 GPA. What can I say? I chose the wrong degree. Anyway, of these eight examples of self-sabotage I'm sharing in this episode, I think this is the one I think everyone can benefit from addressing. It's really hard to build a healthy, secure, long-term relationship when you don't believe you deserve one or that you're not good enough to be with your partner. If you feel like you're not good enough for the people you date in any way, which by the way is not true, feelings are not facts. One thing I want you to practice is not putting people on a pedestal because you are worthy of love, commitment, companionship, and intimacy. You are dateable. Seven, making excuses. This is your classic situation where you might use your career, school, or something else going on in your life that could be an obstacle or an excuse to not date. Dating and entering a new relationship can be overwhelming. And I get it. Like when you have a lot going on in your life, the idea of making space for a relationship is daunting. But be aware if you're actively making it so you don't have time to date. This can look like keeping a ton of distance between you and the person you're seeing by not making space for them in your life. It could also look like planning dates when you know you won't be able to make it or at inconvenient times when you'll end up just canceling. This is the subconscious part of self-sabotaging. If you feel like something is telling you to cancel a date, but you can't come up with any legitimately good reason, maybe that's not trusting your gut. It might be self-sabotage. Only you will know, but it's always worth pausing and checking in with yourself. And number eight, avoiding discomfort. Finally, the last way we self-sabotage is simply by doing whatever we can to avoid discomfort. Let's be real, in some ways, it's easier to just not engage in relationships because they're messy and there's a lot of hurt that can come with them. Those messy parts of being intimate and vulnerable and all that stuff. This could show up in a lot of different ways. I'm going to share some examples and they might sound like things people have done to you or maybe you've done. And I want to preface this by saying that pointing out these behaviors overlap. Like just because someone ghosted you, that doesn't automatically mean they were self-sabotaging. As you know, there is a lot of nuance with this stuff. 
Okay, so here are some examples of how you might be self-sabotaging by avoiding discomfort. Ghosting is one of them for sure. You know, like it's easier to just drop a relationship like a hot potato rather than let it play out if you rather avoid discomfort that, that comes with intimacy. Other examples are saying you had to have to reschedule a date, but then never actually doing it. Running away the second things get heavier, vulnerable or overwhelming and cutting things off as they get more serious. Again, there is a fine line here between self-sabotage and trusting your gut. It's self-sabotage if the person you're getting to know is everything you say you want and it feels scary to keep going. It's trusting your gut if the person you're getting to know is not aligned with what you want and you feel like something is off. So do you see the difference? Let's talk about trusting your gut. At this point, I hope it's clear that self-sabotage is more rooted in the expectation that something will fail. Trusting your gut is different. First of all, Trusting your gut is something you might literally feel in your body, like in your bones. I think a gut feeling is a physical sensation that probably feels different for everyone. Like, I don't think I could describe what it feels like for me, but I know I have a really strong intuition and I'm used to following it. I want to talk about how you know you're trusting your gut in dating and relationship situations. You know you're trusting your gut when you've gone into something with an open heart and open mind and you've gathered information and you make decisions that are more aligned with what you want not with what you're afraid of. Trusting your gut is about making moves towards what you want, even though it's scary, and self-sabotage is running away from what scares you. To be able to trust your gut, you have to know you're worthy of what you're after and believe that the relationship you're looking for exists. It's out there. It's something you can have. So you're not making decisions out of scarcity or out of fear of a specific outcome. To trust your gut, you have to be in the mindset of, what if this all works out? Then also have the trust and belief in yourself that if it doesn't work out, you will be okay. It's really about that internal feeling of trust and worth. Self-sabotage is rooted in anxiety. Trusting your gut is rooted in your intuition. It's also rooted in truth. For example, if you are stuck in that thought pattern that your partner is cheating on you because your last partner did, but there isn't any real evidence and this person has assured you many times that they only have eyes for you. Deciding to leave that situation is a form of self-sabotage, not trusting your gut. Because the truth is in that scenario, they are not cheating on you. You just can only believe that someone would. You know what I mean? Self-sabotage is very much rooted in stories, assumptions, and our old belief systems. And while, yes, some of that is useful in protecting ourselves, a lot of times these just hold us back. Love is always a risk, but you have to trust that it's a risk you can handle. You really will be okay if things don't work out. You have to believe that you're resilient and your next heartbreak is not going to break you. Even if it does, you'll always get back up. I think the pain we experience in love can be used in two ways. We can use it as information and lessons learned to avoid past mistakes, or it could be used to confirm old beliefs over and over again with partners that hold us back. So I want to leave you with a few techniques to make sure you're trusting your gut and not self-sabotaging. The first one is... To not talk to your friends too much when it comes to your dating decisions. I think this is a big mistake that we make in early dating. We're like showing our friends pictures of the person we're dating. We're showing them screenshots. We're getting their opinion. And I get that it's fun to talk about dating. And I, I wouldn't say like, don't talk about it at all. But the reason why your friends aren't the best source of advice is they love you so much that they're always going to be a little too overprotective. And it's also possible they don't know jack shit about relationships. (laughs) Like if none of your friends have really had success, like why would you want to take advice from them? Like, you know, I say that with love. 
we all have that one friend, you know? So I would just say it's going to be harder to trust your gut when you have your friends or your family's voices in your head about these decisions. So try to not involve them in your decisions as much. All right. The second one is pause before taking action. This is a great thing to practice regardless of your relationship status. It can help you so much in life. The point of the pause is to check in with yourself. What do I want the outcome to be? And what are my actions going to be to align with that outcome to the best of my ability? Why am I hesitating? Why do I have this urge to do what I always do, which leads to the outcome that brings me unhappiness and more stress? Can I do something different? Do the pause. The pause. There's so much power in the pause. Two, get clear on what you want. Okay, grab a journal and a cup of tea, sit in a quiet space and write down what you want. You can, whatever, do it on pen and paper. You can, maybe you can draw it or paint it, um, write it on your phone, on your computer, whatever you want. Write down what your life would look like if everything you're stressed about right now would actually work out. Write down what you see in the future for the best version of yourself. And I think writing really helps us center on our direction in life and it can reveal our true desires. It's hard to tap into your gut if you don't know what you want. So definitely figure that out. Four, practice being in your body. This means checking in with yourself physically. We can do it right now together, okay? So take a moment. You can close your eyes if you want. Take a deep breath. Try to tune in to different parts of your body, your shoulders and your neck, your jaw and tongue, your forehead, your back and hips, your feet, and especially your stomach. Where do you feel like you're holding tension? Do any of these parts feel particularly tight, stiff, or tense? Notice that. Try to release that tension, shake it out, take another breath, and do a little stretch. Sometimes when we're in different dating scenarios, checking in with your body like this and giving it these areas and once over can tell us a lot about how we actually feel about someone. And this takes practice. I'm not saying you need to get up when you're on a date and do a stretch and shake the tension out of your body, but this body awareness can help you gather more information and tune into your intuition more. I hope this episode helped you gain more clarity around what the why behind some of the choices you make in dating. Moving forward, I'd love to see you trusting your gut more and avoiding things that scare you less, especially if on the other side of that fear is something you really want. You're doing great. And don't forget that you can get my free date tracker and post-date reflection questions, which will help you reflect and trust your gut even more in the dating process. Grab it in my bio link on Instagram at dating.intentionally. It will make you a much more intentional and intuitive dater. Trust me. All right. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I love it if you share this episode with someone who's navigating dating and might need a little confidence boost or some tough love. If any of these episodes have helped you in your journey, you can help me by leaving a stunning review on Apple or giving Dating Intentionally five stars on Spotify. Once again, I'm Talia. This has been Dating Intentionally, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.